Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. I'm a certified microdosing practitioner, menstrual cycle coach, and feminine embodiment mentor. And I'm on a mission to break taboos around women's bodies, periods, and psychedelics. On this show, we're exploring all things spirituality, sexuality, mysticism, and empowerment. Come along as I interview other coaches, teachers, healers, and thought leaders about all the ways we can feel more tuned in, turned on, and lit up AF. If you're on a journey towards self-discovery, you've come to the right place. This is The Light Within. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. I am so excited this week to have with us on the show someone whose work I found really transportive and transformational when I was first beginning my spiritual journey, Heather Ash Amara. Her book, The Warrior Goddess Way, just opened my eyes when I was starting my spiritual practice, and I'm just so fucking thrilled to have her with us to talk more about what The Warrior Goddess Way really means. We're also going to speak about climate change and some of the climate change effects that she has experienced very personally. And I really hope that as this is the very last episode of season three, that you leave this conversation feeling lit up and ready to walk into your life facing the challenges of your life with a new inspired embodied way of looking at things. So if you're not familiar with Heather Ash, she is a best-selling author, a mentor, a land steward, and philanthropist who spent the last three decades weaving together earth-based wisdom, mindfulness, and practical strategies for creative, courageous, and compassionate individual and community change. So She's a master firewalker instructor, and the irony is not lost on Heather Ash that when she found herself right on the front lines of the destruction of climate change, it came in the form of fire, which destroyed her home back in April of 2022. We're going to talk a bit more about that on the show. Again, we're also going to speak about this practice of the warrior goddess way, what that means, and how we can find our own unique blend between warrior and goddess. So I know you are going to love, 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 love this conversation. Like I mentioned, this is the last episode of season three, and I'm going to take a few weeks off before we launch season four. But in the meantime, I wanted to remind you about my upcoming group membership, which launches in early 24, The Sanctuary. It is a soul-stirring journey back home to yourself to awaken your embodied wisdom through pleasure, womb healing, and psychedelics. This is a membership open to women, young and old, who really desire to heal in sacred sisterhood and want to connect most deeply with their power, with their creativity, and with the source that is going to light them up for their passions and their purpose. You can join the waitlist now by heading to the show notes and clicking on the link. The sanctuary again will open in 2024. So without further ado, let's get into this episode and help me welcome Heather Ash to the Light Within podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Leslie. Great to be here with you. So the first question I love to ask everyone is what ignites your light within? Mm. First answer that comes is dancing and playing and exploring and being curious and falling in love with the world over and over again every single day. Mm. 
I love that. And so for folks who aren't familiar with you or your work, um, could you just introduce yourself and give us more details about what it is that is currently, you know, most present for you and your work right now? Yeah, I am really blessed to be an author and a teacher and get to travel around the world. Um, I grew up traveling. I grew up in Southeast Asia. And so being a nomad is part of my joy and bringing through teachings to help people be more grounded, more present, more loving in our lives. A lot of the work that I do is around helping us all untangle the old agreements and limitations that we've created. Mm -hmm. And I do that through firewalking, through ceremony and ritual, through really powerful shamanic tools, and through also finding our what our joy is that it's the work that I do is really deep and sometimes really hard Mm -hmm. Uh, but I found that it's it goes much easier when we find a a sense of play Mm. and you know I first became familiar with your work when I read your book the warrior goddess way several years ago so of course I was thrilled to get the chance to have you on the show so I feel like that was such a seminal thing for myself when I was having my spiritual awakening and really reconnecting with like the ancientness of my own femininity and like what it is to be a woman. Um, and so I'd love for you to just for folks who might not be familiar with that, if we could start there and talk a bit more about what is the warrior goddess way. Absolutely. So these two qualities are really important, especially for women to embody. So the warrior energy is our focus, our clarity. It's our commitment of like, yes, 100%. And often, especially for women, we've committed to so many things outside of ourselves, to who we think we're supposed to be or who others want us to be. And warrior goddess training is really about, and the warrior goddess way is really about coming back into relationship with committing to ourselves to learning who we are and claiming our power again. So that's the warrior. The goddess energy is around creativity and play and really rest, learning how to rest and open into our relationship with life. And it's more of a dance and fluidity. And so in relationship with that goddess energy, a lot of us have seen it as weak, Mm -hmm. We've been told that's a weak part of ourselves that we should put away. But in truth, that's really where our courage comes from, is that courage to open into new ways of being and to explore and be in relationship with the mystery is how I think about it. And it's not that we're trying to get, you know, the warrior goddess way is not, I will be 50% warrior and then I will be 50% goddess and then I can check it off my list. It's really about learning what's our blend, what's our unique blend of these energies. Cause some of us are more warrior oriented. Mm -hmm. That's how our energy runs in our body and how we express ourselves. And some of us are more goddess oriented. And some of us are are a mix of those two energies more equally. But there isn't a right or a wrong. There's exploring what's my way, mm-hmm. who am I, and shedding the places that we have old beliefs, agreements, places that we're living through somebody else of what we think somebody else wants us to be or who we think we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And instead coming back into really wonderful loving relationship with who we are. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> yeah, I really love that part, especially because I think a lot of times, even still on the internet, but certainly when I was awakening around 2019, it felt very much like what you were saying. You're either in your masculine and you're unbalanced because you're not in your feminine. If you're someone with, you know, born female or you're not, or you're weak or you're submissive, right? Like, and there was also like the play of, okay, being in the feminine meant softness, meant, um, you know, like the maiden in the field. And like, I was always so much more gravit like gravitating towards like the dark feminine side of things. So that's why I think I love the warrior goddess concept so much because it's so very much both in its own beautifully, like just beautiful way. Like I get to be both of these things. And I love how you said, you know, finding your own balance, because for me, when I first started my journey, I was very much in my masculine energy where I was success, like success driven and achievement driven and pushing and pushing and pushing all the way until I burnt out really severely last year and left my job and all the things. And so I really appreciated being able to like learn from your work several years ago. And so when you, when you speak about this and, and you have people who go through the training, cause there's two, there's, there's the first book and then there's like the training workbook. Um, and you've written many other books as well. Um, but how do you see them be able to morph into these beings that are really in their power? Like, what are the changes that you witness? Mm, gosh, so many. And a big part of, I think the beginning part of the unwinding process that I see women especially going through is giving self permission to take up space. Like so often we have trained ourselves to be diminutive and nice and kind and fit in and make sure everybody else is taken care of. And this isn't true for everybody, for sure. And a lot of the women that I work with, that's part of the struggle is having put aside their own development and, and creativity for their children or for their job and let yeah. all the energy is getting poured outside. And so that coming back home to not abandoning self any longer and the willingness to find out who am I now, not who do I think I'm supposed to be, mm -hmm. is the beginning. And, and then the, the joy that starts emerging when we stop abandoning ourselves mm -hmm. and we get to then say, okay, who do I want to be in the world? What do I want to change? How do I want to be in relationship with life and that another big piece in our community that we work with is this idea that there's always going to be obstacles in life that emerge like life is challenging being in a body is challenging and that that's not a bad thing it's just truth it's like humaning is hard mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and so one of the things that we talk a lot about is this idea that when an obstacle arises if we have as much or more energy than the obstacle, we, we sometimes don't even see it as an obstacle <laughs> or we're able to be really creative and teaching people how to raise energy, to have more energy available, more creativity available, more capacity to connect with intuition so that when there is an obstacle, there's this sense of like, okay, here we go. Like, I know what to do. I know how to raise my energy. I know that I'll figure my way through this. Mm -hmm. And there's this 
pivot in the way that we're in relationship with self that we start to use everything to benefit ourselves Mm -hmm. on our path. Yeah. Well, I know we're going to talk about this in a little while, but let's go straight to this then because it's so perfectly succinct to what you just mentioned. You had a massive obstacle, I'm sure you're, and, and even more, you know, 18 months ago when your home was lost to wildfire. And so can you talk a bit more about, you know, facing that, knowing your teachings, knowing this, I'm sure, ability that you have to raise to the frequency that it's above it so that you find creative ways to move through it. Can you talk a bit about that and also how it's sort of shifted um, even your work since that fire? Mm, and feel yes. free to speak about it as much as you want. Like, I know that that can be something that's, you know, can be hard to speak about. So feel free to give as many details as you feel called to do. But um I would love to hear more about, about that. And also about just the divine irony of you having some, been someone who was doing fire walking and, and training people to do fire walking and then fire was such this force. Yes. Yeah. Fire has been a big part of my life in a healing way. I started, I did my first fire walk in like 1989 and become a fire walk instructor. I think the next year teaching people how to walk across hot coals and as a really tangible metaphor of change yeah. and of what's possible. So that like that element has been so important to me. And when the wildfire came through last year, it was the biggest wildfire in New Mexico and it devastated my community. Like the all of us were really really impacted by the fire and it burned for 3 months. And so it wasn't like a fast thing that went through, like we were all waiting of where it was it going to go next and they just couldn't get it under control. So it was an interesting process because I was teaching, I wasn't home, I was teaching um, in Sedona and I suddenly knew that we were going to lose the land. I have 180 acres outside of, of Santa Fe and I was like, the, we're, we're going to lose it. And all my friends were like, well, let's pray for you. And I'm like, it's done. And I'm the most optimistic person there is. And I just knew, I was like, there's nothing to do with this one. Like it's going through. And when it finally did, which was two weeks later, it was an, a kind of a testament to the depth of work that I've done and the the teachings and the teachers that I've had. Because I... I was gathering donations for my community at that time. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what else to do, but help people that have already been impacted by the fire. And I sat in my truck and there's something really incredible about the digital world right now, because you could see where the fire was. And so I checked in and the fire was in my neighbor's yard. And I was like, here we go. And I just closed my eyes and, and felt the helplessness and the total out of controlness and like there's nothing i can do about this and and i got quiet and i asked i'm like okay what can i do like what is here for me in relationship with this huge loss that's about to happen and what i got was pray and sing to the trees like feel the grief and also be with this process. Don't run away from it. And so I just sat and grieved and cried and sang and just stayed with the forest as it burned and with the animals as they, you know, like so many lives mm-hmm. were lost, not human, but the animal loss was catastrophic. 
And so I feel like it was this kind of training ground for me in a very visceral, physical way of how to be with deep loss, how to be with climate change, how to be with, we don't have control of a lot of what's happening right now, but we can stay with it rather than distracting or spiritualizing or like, oh, well, it's all fine. You know, know, people right away were like, oh, well, your land got cleansed. It's all fine. And I'm like, slow down. Let's grieve first. Mm-hmm. You know, we can spiritualize it later, but this is a huge loss. And so it's it taught me how to be with myself and with other people through big loss. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of like, all right, now let me go talk to the land to find out what does the land want? Mm-hmm. Not what do I want? What does the land want now? Does it want restoration? Does it want to be left alone? Um, and I took months just walking the land and listening before I really felt like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay and the lands be in partnership with this land to restore mm. in a way that's for the next hundred years. Yeah. You know, I went from having a five-year human plan, like we're going to build a structure for humans to now really a 50-year plan of how do I create habitat for animals mm-hmm. and flowers and bees that's mm-hmm. now the focus more. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I and I think <clears throat> what I'd love to ask you is, you know, you said it yourself, you know, the work that you had done before this really helped you move through and understand, you know, what was going to work, like what you needed to do next. Um, and so were you always so deeply connected to the land before that? Has that been a deep part of your your journey? I mean, as a nomad, I'm sure you've seen many different lands. So is that something that's been you know, on your heart and in your, you know, path? Yes, definitely. And I remember like, as you asked the question, like I grew up in big cities. I grew up in Hong Kong and Bangkok and Singapore. And yet as a very young girl, like six and seven years old, I remember being on the school bus and watching people do Tai Chi in the park. And I didn't have like language for any of this, but now as an adult, I can look back. But I saw people interacting with the trees and praying to the rocks and having their feet on the ground and having this like these huge parks and people engaging in nature Mm -hmm. that had a big impact on me as a kid of like, ooh, I want that. I could feel the intimacy. I could feel the presence. And so that's definitely always been in me. And and having land and choosing to steward land is it's been a dream for a long time and of course now it's a very different dream than i was expecting however i it's what i signed up for like mm-hmm. i said i was going to steward the land and so now i'm stewarding this land rather than what i think it should be or what i would wish for i mean i still definitely have that but you know it's if there's something beautiful about being with what is and loving it through the journey. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me, that includes land. What's interesting is that's also part of my dream. My husband and I and our family, we have this dream to be on land and to be able to live in community with it and protect it and and move through it. So I was so excited to speak about this with you. But for folks who, you know, maybe they're in a big city. And I love that you mentioned the Bangkok because I remember being in Thailand in 2017 and seeing exactly what you're talking about. Like these huge, beautiful parks and people doing the Tai Chi and everyone's like outside and they're 
very intimate with, with the land, um, and the water and everything. And so if you live in a city, you know, or you live in an apartment or you don't own your land or, you know, you live in a suburb, like I live right now, I live in a subdivision. How can we start to be better stewards of land if, you know, we don't see ourselves as like someone like you with, you know, a lot of acres or being like on the land? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a great question. And we're in nature everywhere, like wherever you are. I lived in New York City for a year and I loved it so much. I'm like, I love New York City. I love big cities. And I had an experience where I picked the apartment I picked because there was a window that overlooked a tree. And I'm like, that's my apartment. Fourth floor, walk up. But there was the tree. Mm-hmm. And there was an intimacy that I built with that tree mm-hmm. in the year that I was there. And with the trees that were you know, in the, on the street and the, the little parks, there's always little parks wherever we are, little pockets of nature that we can connect with. So regardless of whether you own the land, you live in a city, there's always places to access nature that is free, is available, and nature always responds. Nature loves human interacting with it. Like there's eco fields that are created and the birds, the grasshopper, like everything responds to presence and to love. And so just showing up and building little altars. You know, something that I used to do in New York is I would I would gather things and just build little like little flowers or little sticks in different places that I was that I was just to honor the land and the nature there. Uh, I used to go to the park and sit. Part of what drew me to New York actually was the rock there. Mm. There's this just fabulous rock and I'm like I need to be around this rock and I would literally go to the Central Park and lay on the rocks and be like hello my friends teach me <laughs> so there that's available for all of us yeah I love that and I'm thinking now my neighborhood okay oh yeah there is this like little roundabout several little roundabouts with like little trees and there's parks you know I live in Texas where this past summer was just brutal. completely yeah. brutal and yeah it's terrifying, really, really. Like, mm-hmm. just still, the lakes are the lowest they've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, my husband and I, as we're growing our own garden and we're trying to find ways to do it as sustainably as possible, even in our, you know, subdivision backyard, it's just, it's nice to hear, you know, no matter where you are, you can give back, you can honor the land in its own special way. Um, and so, you've mentioned multiple times your connection with trees. I love the idea about the rock. I was in Hawaii for the first time this summer, actually about a week before the Maui fire. We just left. Oh, wow. We we have friends who are Hawaiian. So we were staying with their family there and <clears throat> we're on big Island and we were on Oahu too. We went to Kauai as well, but it was so like, I have never felt so connected to land as I was in Hawaii. So it's just, of course I, I, I like, viscerally understood about the trees and now it's like okay how do I find that here too because I think sometimes at least in my experience it's so easy to feel connected at certain places like it was easy to feel connected there it's easy or for me to feel connected in the Carolinas where I'm from and so I love the whole idea of nature responding back to you no matter where you are yeah and finding the the access points you know I when I lived in California I used to drive this road, this very windy road. And halfway on the road, there was this huge rock 
And I remember like I would pass it and always be like, hello, rock. And then I started a kind of a game with it where I would, I would go and I would just send it love Mm -hmm. and just say hello and greet it as a friend. Cause that's what it started feeling like is just hello rock and sending it love. And one day I was having a really rough time as I'm driving to work and I got to the rock and I wasn't really paying attention. And I felt this blast of love. Mm. And I was like, Oh, that's so (laughs) sweet. It's giving back energy. Like there is actually a relationship and communion happening. And Mm. You know, it, sometimes that sounds kind of woo-woo of like rocks are talking to you, but play with it yeah, and see. And th- there's kind of delight when you start realizing like, oh, things are much more conscious than we give them credit for. A hundred percent. Yes, yeah. for sure. You know, I am a psychedelic guide. And so I definitely understand, you know, the earth as medicine in so many different ways. And, you know, when we speak about just the the rising and awakening of so many people to what is happening with the client the climate what is happening with you know capitalism and the greed it almost makes me feel like okay this is such an easy first step to like start to give a shit again about like where you live in the earth that you live on by just like you said like give it a little love and let it be a play let it be play to where you start to care because i feel like do you think that that's like the first step to help us all save the planet is that we have to start caring a little bit more in general. Yeah. Yeah. I really agree. And, and to not feel hopeless, to feel like, like even in Texas in the summer, like you can still grow things and tend things and, and give back to the land through that. And so that, that sense of hope of like, Oh, look, things do come back do things, you know, it may be different. It may not look like what we hope, like on the land. Now I, I call it a, a, it's a marriage of Mordor and Narnia. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Literally I there's acres of dead trees. Like it's bad. And then like in the fall, all these wildflowers have come up, not everywhere, but significant, like, beautiful colors and it's such a weird juxtaposition Mm -hmm. and it also just shows how strong the life force is Mm -hmm. that makes so much sense yeah because i i definitely feel like you know here in texas when we didn't have rain for like two and a half months um where i live and just in general when we look out at what's happening to the earth and to just other humans on earth not even just the destruction of earth but to the other people who you know, we might not know, but we are one with in our own way. Like it's so easy to get hopeless, especially as things continue to spiral in a lot of ways. And so I love that you, that reflection about like feeling hopeful and looking for the little tiny ways to like notice the life force. Yeah, exactly. And I was, I was talking to a class yesterday that I was teaching about that. It's easy for us to root into the kind of the challenges or the the hard things. I was just thinking about the war that's happening with Palestine and Israel right now and how devastating it is and and how it can feel really hopeless if we we root into that trauma and that hurt and that confusion and the violence that's happening. Mm-hmm. And and what I was talking about is like let's root deeper. Let's root into the earth and the longer story and the truth that wars pop up in humans all over the place and that we're not trying to diminish 
or bypass what's happening, that we can have the heartbreak around what's happening in so many different places. Mm -hmm. And that when we root deeper, we can find, it's almost like rooting deeper to find the water, to find the nurturing, to find the source, that as we pull that up, we can pull in resources to stay steady and witness what's happening without being drowned by it or without being overwhelmed by it, to be able to, to grieve and show up and then also be resourced of, okay, what can I do? I may not be able to do anything right now around what's happening with this huge conflict, but I can be a better neighbor. I can show up and, and be more loving to my neighbors, even if we have completely different political views. That I can do. So there's that dance of if we root into something deeper and more enduring, that we're resourced to then be more creative and more connected to our intuition. And when things arise that are hard, instead of feeling that sense of like, there's nothing I can do, it's hopeless, that we can stay present mm -hmm. and look for a possibility. Oh, I love that. So I asked, you know, in the questions I sent beforehand, you know, what would be a practice that you would recommend for folks to start with if they were, you know, wanting to lean into specifically what we spoke about first around, you know, the warrior goddess energy, <clears throat> but you've given us a ton of different practices, <laughs> you know, connect with the earth, you know, find the hope. Is there anything else that, you know, you really find very helpful for yourself um, that you feel called to share or anything more that you feel called to speak about? Yeah, that simple practice of rooting, and it's, it's a practice that I call grounding. It's, it's one of the longest practices I've been doing in my life. And it's very simple. It's using your imagination. And it's, it's wonderful if you can go sit outside or put your bare feet on the ground. Wonderful, but not necessary. So using our imagination, our, our imagination is an incredible force. And hu as humans, we're energetic beings. And most of us are disconnected energetically because we're not rooted into the earth. Mm -hmm. So if you look at electrical systems, all electrical systems and homes are grounded into the earth. And that's what makes the energy run fluidly rather than sparking and burning things out. And so a practice, and this is a beautiful daily practice to do every morning, is to sit a minute, two minutes, five minutes, and imagine that you're sending roots down into the earth and that those roots are going down into the soil and spreading out and sink those roots in and use your, and at first when you start doing this practice, it's like, oh, I'm just making this up. But what I've seen is that as you do it over and over again, suddenly you're like, oh, wait, I feel something. Oh, I feel more grounded. I feel connected. And your, your energetic system starts to come online in a new way. Mm. And once your roots are down, then you breathe in and bring in energy from the earth. So visualize that you're a tree and that you're taking in nutrients mm. and that you're going to bring those nutrients through your whole trunk of your body and out to the sky. And so then you visualize branches out to sky and feel that spaciousness and opening to the intuition and possibility. And then to pull energy, sky energy into the body and then all the way down to earth, to ground from sky to earth. And it's one of the most profound and simple practices to be able to stay present mm -hmm. and connected to self and also to the earth, mm -hmm. which is what sustains us. Yeah. 
hundred percent. I love that. And I think that the one thing I haven't done before is the sky back down. Like I, I, I've heard this before. I've heard the practice, even when I was a news anchor before I actually did a story about the health benefits of grounding. And so that I've heard before, but the bringing in the sky is fantastic. Mm, well, Heather, Ash, so this nice. has been like the biggest treat of my life. Um, what else would you like to share or how can people connect with you? I know you're teaching all over the world. You know, is there anything coming up that you would like to talk about specifically? Oh my gosh, there's so many things. Um, one of my favorite things right now is is I have something that's a Warrior Goddess Training Circle, which is an online, and we're doing something called Seasons of Self, where for three months we do a particular focus, and it's called SOS, which is we all we're like yay SOS. Um, so the next one's coming up winter, you know, winter solstice through spring equinox, and it's so lovely to have a community and a container yeah. to delve into. So that's one thing. The other thing is I've just started writing a Substack, which I'm really proud of and which is a new, it's a new form of writing for me. I've written a lot about the fire, um, but I'm going to start branching out. And the, the subtitle is how to dance with the contradictions. So dancing with the contradictions that we're all facing now. So that's uh, heatherash.substack.com. Perfect. I will add that to the show notes for sure. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. This was super magical. And I, yeah, I'm just so happy to have had you here. Thanks so much, Leslie. I hope you loved that episode. I will put all of the links for Heather Ash's work in the show notes below. You can also message me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin or at the Light Within Podcast. Shoot me an email, hello at lesliedraffin.com. I would love to connect. Also remember, the sanctuary opens in 2024 and the wait list is available now. If you want more details, head to the show notes and grab that information. Have yourself a wonderful week, a wonderful rest of the month, a wonderful rest of 2023, baby, and I will see you very soon. Always remember that there is no light without darkness, but there is no darkness without light. I'll see you next time.